here respected. Expert level information, entertainment, education. Rev here, we got you covered as you hit your destination. Climate rules everything around me. Dream. For those who lost focus, close your eyes and just dream. Open your third eye, now the world is your office. Coolest, coolest show you know the hip hop chorus. Well, I'm very excited for this conversation here on The Coolest Show. I'm so happy to have my dear brother with me, um, the Environmental Protection Agency's Administrator, Michael Regan. My brother, Michael, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. I'm, I'm glad to be on The Coolest Show. That makes me cool, right? It, it, it does actually make you very, very cool. And, <laughs> and you're actually doing the good work to keep us all cool on this planet. So we want to thank you for that as well. Well, we, I want to get right to some serious conversation um, here. But before I get to all those questions, I have my first question. For, I need to really think about this too. No, but don't, it's not a knee jerk. I don't need you just to respond. Don't blurt this out. But this is take, take a second to think this one through. This could be one of your, one of your most uh, uh, important questions during this interview. So just take, take your time on this one. And that is simply uh, who has the baddest marching band? Howard University or North Carolina A&T? Take your time there. Don't, don't rush. Don't rush the answer. I just, but make sure you think that one through. I'm going to take a little bit of time just to present the notion that I'm balanced. But after this pause, which has been way too long, there is, there's no meaner machine than the A&T Aggie marching machine. Oh, man. <laughs> My goodness. Well, this was a quick interview right here. So I just... <laughs> <laughs> no, I thank you for that. Uh, you know, I, I, and that's fair, fair game. When we have on the vice president, we're going to see if her answer is the same. That's what we got to, we, we got to figure that, figure that one out in that. Um, that that's, that's not fair, Reb. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is a blessing. For those who, that don't know you yet, please tell the audience who is Michael Regan. You know, I'm just a regular guy from Goldsboro, North Carolina. I, I grew up in eastern North Carolina, uh, hunting and fishing with my dad and my granddad and just learning to enjoy life and nature through their lens of talking about their lived experiences and just being outdoors, soaking up as much as I could from them. Uh, you know, left Goldsboro and moved to Greensboro to, to go to North Carolina A&T State University. Um, my father graduated from A&T. You know, I really wanted to follow in his footsteps and, and get the black experience and, and be in an environment that I thought I would be safe to be myself while I pursued education. And that was the best decision I could have made in life. Um, I, I grew up loving nature. I studied in environmental science at A&T. And my first job, I ended up at EPA as an intern and then as an employee able to focus on the things that mattered the most to me, which was uh, environmental protection and public health. You know, I, I grew up with respiratory illnesses that resembled asthma. And so on the high ozone action days or a lot of dust, a lot of pollution, uh, that prevented me from being outdoors with my dad and my grandfather. Uh, so I missed out on hunting and fishing because of pollution and at an early age, it, it gave me this awareness that something needed to be done. So I'm just a regular individual trying to apply what God has given me to give back through the lens of public service and, and making sure that as we do this, that the least amongst us is just as protected 
as those who have been traditionally protected throughout history. Mm. You know, I thank you for that. And I hope that a lot of folks who are listening to that realize that you can, and your story is amazing, that you can go from intern to administrator. That That's a powerful testimony in itself. I mean, that's just something that that is great. And so, and and it, and it matters. Um, you also mentioned, and we, we were joking at the beginning of this about our HBCU experience and, you know, HBCU experience is truly an American experience. I mean, yes. it, is, it is a part of our, our DNA and it makes our country just a better place. How does your black identity shape your work at this point? You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's who I am, obviously. I mean, it is my experience. And, you know, there is no secret here that when we think about the black community, uh, you know, life's experiences aren't always fair. Uh, life's experiences are not always equitable. And so as I approach this work and, and think about environmental protection and public health, I'm keenly aware that, that our communities, my community, your community, our communities are disproportionately impacted by pollution, which means they're plagued with health disparities. Uh, you know, they're, they're plagued with barriers around education, and access to, you know, food and, you know, just so many barriers that have created, you know, disadvantages in terms of that competitive step uh, for life. Mm. Uh, so, so I have that lens. And, and as the administrator, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the power of EPA and who we can protect and how we can protect. And I'm, I'm, I'm hell bent on making sure that this is a rising tide moment. And as we tackle climate change, as we tackle the water crisis, you know, as we tackle land pollution, it will be done through a justice and equity lens to be sure that no community is left behind. I think far too often we believe that in order for someone to benefit, someone has to be left behind or not benefit. And, and that's just a perverted way of looking at society. I truly believe that we can approach these very tough issues in a manner where no one and no community should be left behind. And that's what the Biden administration is all about. You know, thank you for that. And, you know, and, and I'll tell you this from the jump, you know, one of the things that's so important to me is that, you know, and like you, I, I served my country You know, I was a, I was an officer in the air force. So, like you, you know, we, we chose to serve our country and we, we didn't, we're not serving our country based upon Democrat or Republican. We just want everybody, want every American in this country to do well. We want every American to have clean air, clean water. And if you don't want clean air, clean water, then maybe that's you. But I think most (laughs) of us want clean air and clean water. But as you know, you know, as the world is watching, you know, Congress for, literally that definitive action on climate. And it's, it's, it's a process right now, and we'll leave it yes. there. But tell us, you know, what is the EPA's role in regulating when other federal branches and agencies fail to pass mm. legislation? Uh, let, me, let me say this. Uh, my role right now, um, I've got two hats. Mm. One is I'm going to continue to lean in and follow the president's lead and engage with Congress 
so that we can get the best deal possible for the American people. We have to act now. We don't, we don't have time to waste. That's on the climate front, but we also can't forget that in that Build Back Better deal, there's billions of dollars for water infrastructure, water quality, uh, super fun sites, cleaning up polluted land. So we gotta have it all. Uh, that being said, uh, irrespective of whatever Congress does, uh, we have the statutory authority to pursue eliminating pollution. And what I mean by that is that I'm going to exercise my full authority as the EPA administrator to push regulations as far as we can, uh, acknowledging that markets and technologies are driving us to do better and be better. Mm. But we're going to push regulations as far as we can to protect the American people. And by the way, we're going to look at these regulations through a lens of equity and justice. We're going to make up for those past transgressions by not pretending that they didn't happen and think about how we can go back and correct some of those mistakes. But as we look forward, we're going to be sure that all of our rules have an equity lens applied to them. So you saw us propose and finalize a rule on HFCs, a very potent greenhouse gas that we're going to reduce 85% of over the next 15 years. We proposed and we're working on finalizing emission standards for light duty vehicles and trucks. By the way, thank you and your organization for weighing in during the comment period. And I can assure you, we, we heard you. Uh, we're going to really look at proposing the most stringent uh, oil and gas regulation that this country has ever seen in a matter of weeks, if not months, to reduce not just the climate threat of methane, but those potent organic chemicals that plague many of our communities because they reside in close proximity to these, uh, these refineries. And then we're going to produce a very durable but strong regulation on power plants, right? We're going to really put the pressure on these power plants and reduce CO2 and those pollutants that are plaguing our communities at a local level. So that's a long way of me saying EPA has a lot of tools in its toolbox to continue to put the pressure on greenhouse gas pollution and health-based pollution, even if Congress doesn't act. But I'm confident that Congress will act. And together with Congress, I believe we're going to see historic investments and regulations that benefit all communities. Man, listen, I'm praying with you on that one. <laughs> let me tell you right now, you can let all the folks know. I don't care where they sit, tell them that Rev is praying that we can, <laughs> we can get it right. Because that's important because when we have long gone past our time on this side of Jordan, the, these decisions will have an impact on future generations. Um, Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and speaking of that, let me, let me speak to that. As, as you know, the, this show, just so folks can understand, this show is specifically um, talking to young people, specifically young people of color, um, black and brown and indigenous. So there are many other environmental shows, but this show speaks to that. So I just want to make sure folks are listening in that aspect. So this, that's the connotation of what we always do here on The Coolest Show. And yeah. with that in mind, you know, knowing that people of color and poor people are first and worst hit by this climate crisis, what are you doing to make sure that those black, brown, and indigenous people are in the future? You know, we have to have our young folks as part of the vision here. And this is one of the things that I've admired so much 
about you and your movement and this show is the recognition that every major social movement in history has been led by young folks. And so if we're going to be successful, we have to really bring in our young people. I've created a seat at the table for young people and for people of color. And every step of the way we've moved over the eight months I've been here is my belief that we don't need to wait until the policy or regulation is developed and then go out and test it. We need to bring people in at the beginning. And so I, I, I put out you know, a, a demand to all of my staff, give me a full accounting of how environmental justice and equity plays a role in every policy, every regulation, every contract, all of our procurement. And they've done that. They've done a very thorough evaluation and we've developed principles and approaches that we are leveraging to bring black and brown people to the table and young people to the table. It's, it's my belief that if they cannot see themselves in our vision, then we won't be able to execute on that. Uh, I've also hosted roundtables with presidents and chancellors and executives from HBCUs all across the country to help me understand how do we get more black and brown uh, folks in the pipeline but also on the research and development side, how can, how can EPA help uh, drive grant dollars towards these institutions so that they can help us solve these complex problems? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a coexistence, right? I mean, we're here to provide protection to the public, but we also wanna hear from the public on how that should be done. So we're trying to do that in the most diverse way possible. And, and I'm really proud of what we've done so far, recognizing we got a whole, more, whole lot more work to do. You know, let me let me speak to that and let me follow up on that aspect because you, you as you know, um, you know, out of the now sixteen EPA administrators, fourteen were white, and there was only one uh, woman of color. My dear friend, actually, <laughs> former administrator Lisa P. Jackson over there, uh, over there at Apple now, um, and uh, and actually, I don't know if you knew this. I I, I was uh, I did a. Uh, a documentary and she was, she was in it. She was, she was one of the co-stars and so she got her movie. She actually, she got her, her movie credit came through, came through the rev here. So I don't know. She got a lot of credit. Stuff, so it probably, probably doesn't come up, but you know, as you're talking about young people and let's just keep it frank, you know, one of the yeah. things we have been dealing with as a movement is that unfortunately this movement, people don't think that people of color, are engaging in this movement. And, and so we, and we need to change that. Um, and we need to make sure that all Americans feel part of this movement. But what has been your experience as the first black male EPA administrator been so far? You know, I, I, I'm humbled. It's, it's, it's definitely not lost on me that I'm the first black male administrator, uh, black man as administrator. I spent time talking to Lisa uh, on this very topic, because I believe every day that um, I'm blessed to walk into this office, uh, it needs to be intentional. And so as I conduct my daily job, uh, I'm constantly reflecting on what are we doing to protect the American people? But more importantly, what are we doing to ensure that all people see themselves in the work that we're doing? Uh, it's, you know, I worked for Environmental Defense Fund. Uh, I've worked for the state of North Carolina. And I can tell you sometimes, and you probably recognize this too, Rev, that in this space, you can enter lots of rooms and be the only black person in the room. That's right. So 
my goal is we need to have diversity in every single room that I'm in. So I'm constantly looking for ways to open doors, to be more transparent, and to get beyond this myth that Black and Brown and tribal people are not interested in the environment. It's obvious that they are interested, we are interested, but it's also obvious that through systematic racism and other mechanisms in this country, we have not always been invited into the room. We have to break that down in a systemic way. And so in addition to our regulations and actions, I'm also working on an infrastructure here at EPA that will be forced to recognize diversity and justice and equity long after I'm gone. Mm, you know, I love that. I'm, I'm going to tell you, you, you singing the music to my ears because I think that, you know, if we, if we don't have that, then we're not going to be successful. Right. Um, let's, let's talk about that right quick because we know when, when people listen to this conversation, we will actually be in the midst of, of COP26. Um, um, what, what are your thoughts uh, around COP26? What, 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 what is EPA trying to accomplish, um, if anything, during that, during that time frame? Well, I can tell you personally, uh, you know, when I'm in Scotland, um, I'm going to be excited to sort of build on what you and I just discussed, which is on an well, hold on, hold on. Is, is this your first time in Scotland? It will be. This will okay. be my first, first trip to Scotland, uh, you know, and as administrator, to be on an international stage leading the environmental charge for the Biden administration, I think the world will see that Black people are interested in environmental protection. It's a platform mm. for us to reflect on how the world can see us differently as people of color who are interested, but also as people of color who are in power to change things. So that's, that's a goal of mine, to be sure that we demonstrate that and we're walking that walk. EPA, you know, we're going to be there talking about our regulatory authority just as I walked you through, especially around methane. You know, there's a global methane pledge because we understand how potent methane emissions are. And our rule, our proposed rule, which we hope to have out soon, will serve as the foundation for what this country will do to reduce methane emissions, again, for climate reasons, but also for health reasons. We're going to talk about the power we have to regulate power plants. We're going to talk about the power we have to regulate cars and trucks and heavy duty vehicles. We're going to talk about what we're doing to reduce HFCs. I mean, this is going to be a muscular presentation. EPA, again, we hope that we get uh, some of the resources that are in uh, the, the Build Back Better agenda, and I'm confident that we will. But if we don't, Rev, this agency has the power and authority to regulate these climate pollutants and protect public health. And, and I'm here to tell the world that we're going to do it. Well, you know, I just have a, a few more questions. I, I can't thank you enough for your time. I, I do want to speak to this. I don't think you, one thing, you know, I, I have it loved watching you take a lot of your oath pictures. <laughs> and then let me just say that your son in the pictures is as sharp as the board of health as, as you are right now. I got to figure out where y'all get your suits from. Cause that's, that's his job. <laughs> Y'all keeping it clean. It must be. It's got to be some North Carolina tailor down there somewhere. So I got to. I got to figure that one out. But let's speak about that. Um, you know, this in this role you're in, you know, the consequences of inaction. 
and you understand, as much as people are, and they are folks who unfortunately are putting their their profits and sometimes before what to make the, the change we need to make. But you know inaction is not possible. When you think about this and you think about our children, because also I have I have some, some I have two boys here as well. When you think about that in the next generation, um, are you hopeful that we are going to succeed? And I know that there's a immediate reaction. Yes, we got to do it. But that real knowing the science and knowing where we are. I saw recently the UN put out a, a, a commercial with a dinosaur. They had a dinosaur warning people about extinction. And that, to me, was that blew my mind. And so when you think about that, that we're literally warning ourselves about extinction. Yeah. And you're in this position to help stop the extinction of humanity. One, how does that weigh on you? And are you hopeful? It's heavy. It's heavy. Um, I will tell you that every morning that I walk out the door and I kiss my son on the cheek and tell him to have a good day, I'm thinking about his future hmm. every single day. When I, when I look at the environmental justice analysis that we did, Rev, if we see a two degree increase in temperature due to global warming, 34% of African-Americans are more likely to live in areas that will see increased childhood asthma. 40% of black people are more likely to live in communities to see increased deaths from heat and temperature rise. Mm. Right? This is, we, we talk about extinction, which is scary, but I'm also focused on the more immediate, that if we don't curtail these temperature rises, that we're going to see health disparities. We're going to see issues that we've never seen before. And this is in my son and your son's lifetime. So every day I walk out the door, I'm thinking we don't have a moment to waste for my children, for your children, for all of our children. And I think if we're going to give them a competitive step to pick up the baton and run with what we're going to hand them, I want to do as much as possible. You know, I kind of think about you know, the older folks in our families that say that they pray for themselves, but they also pray for the next generation. They believe that those blessings that they passed on would give us a competitive edge so that we can move forward. Well, that's exactly how I think about this job. I want to do as much as possible every single day so that when we pass that baton, we're passing them a baton for a race that they can actually win. That's, that's the way I'm approaching this every single day. Mm, that's, that, that's amazing. There's two more questions for you. One, where can we find that report assessment you just referenced? You know, that report is located on our website. Uh, so you can go to epa.gov and you can look up the, 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 uh, the EJ analysis. And I'll also have my team push that information to you so that you can push that out as well. Uh, but it is the first, it's a historic report, Rev. And it really, you know, it gets well beyond this feeling of, you know, disproportionate impact. It talks in great detail with data about how black and brown people are disproportionately impacted by climate, by lead, by, by lots of these uh, issues that we've been plagued with for far too long. 
Whew. There's this two more. This my final questions here, and then I have a cultural question. So this is my final question. This really for you, and that is, you know, how can people keep up with your work? You know, we got a lot of folks both in the suites and the streets who follow the coolest show. And, and, and how can they support you at EPA? You know, number one, I am so thankful for all of the organizations that reach out directly to EPA to say, we want to support you. And in return, Rev, it, it's not just the big green groups and it's not just the traditional stakeholders. We're sifting through and combing through. So if people have an idea and if people want to get involved, this EPA and this administration is ready. And listen, people will tell you uh, on my, my EPA Twitter handle, people reach out to me all the time. I respond. I send that to my staff. And we're meeting with everyday people who have concerns about climate, clean water, and clean air. Uh, we, 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 you know, all takers, come all. You know, this is something that we all have to be engaged and involved in. And we're ready to listen to everybody. Mm. All right. Well, your first your first question, you know, you did all you, you know, you gave an honest answer on that on the ANT <laughs> marching band. But this one here, so my last question for you is this one. All right. So you can pick you can pick dead or alive in this one too. If you if you uh, got to create a, a hip hop Mount Rushmore, you get four people to put on that Mount Rushmore. What, mm. what, what what artists are you gonna put on that Mount Rushmore? Who who is the Michael Regan hip hop Mount Rushmore right now? Wow, that that that's 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 a tough one, man. I think that um, you know, just to keep us all enlightened and informed, uh, I, I gotta have KRS One up there. Mm. Uh, you know, I, okay. I, I grew up at a time where where you know KRS One and Chuck D, you know, took it from entertainment to keeping us enlightened. So I think KRS One is is obviously one. Uh, I'm a big Nas fan, you know. Nas is is one of the greatest. Uh, he he's got to be there, of course. Jay Z, I think, in terms of lyrics and trying to deliver a message and awaken that consciousness, I think Jay's got to be there. Um, and then and then I'll, I guess I'll, I'll bring it up a little bit and say that you know Kendrick Lamar was is is an artist uh, is an artist. So you know those are sort of some of the the ones that I think have influenced me in terms of wanting to be entertained, but also be educated. Um, and, and then the last one I'll throw out there is Black Thought um, mm. and, and the roots from the roots. So, you know, it's hard, right? When you try to create a, a Mount Rushmore, it's hard because I don't know how you are, but when I wake up, many days I'm looking for different things from music and there are so many different artists that can kind of feed that. But when I think back on what has shaped me uh, in terms of uh, hip hop music, those are the ones that I think have really helped me hone in on entertainment, education, and how to be more conscientious as I approach life. No, well, I I appreciate that, and and I want I want to rephrase. This is this is I want to make sure because I want nobody to be mad at revs. I want to make sure that I know my, my Rushmore. We we understand that we have a lot of folks in our indigenous community, so I want to make sure this is the Michael Regan Mountain. His top four. <laughs> Let's make sure we want to we want to just say this is this is this is the EPA administrator's top four. We want to we want to we want everybody to be happy and listening here. So you heard it from him. You got his you got his top four in there. I just want to mention that, you know, you didn't mention J. Cole. Now, J. Cole from North Carolina. So, listen, yes. I, I, I ain't trying to start and I won't beat nothing, but I just want to mention. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give him I honorable love, mention. 
in that yeah, process. Yeah, I, I, I love J. Cole, man. And, you know, the thing about it is, is most of the artists that I mentioned, uh, you know, came before Jay. So they helped, they they were shaping oh, me a little bit. Man, you, you, know, you, go, you gonna do fantastic. I tell you. you yeah, you, yeah. You, you, you got that. <laughs> I love it. My dear brother, thank you so much for being with us here on The Coolest Show and definitely praying for you, your success, because your success is our success. I appreciate it, Rev. Thank you for inviting me and thank you, brother, for your leadership and thank you for your voice. It is so needed and so appreciated. No, thank you. And that's our guest today. That is EPA Administrator Michael Regan. And I am Rev Yearwood, your host of The Coolest Show. Thank you, my brother. Like what you heard on this episode? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us at Think 100 Climate and at Hip Hop Caucus on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit thecoolestshow.com where you can take action for climate justice right now. You can also learn more about this podcast and donate to Think 100%, which is a non-profit project. Thank you for listening and all podcasts.